Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, Oscar fans, you've got right here two veteran journalists who between us <laughs> have covered the FYC Oscar slash award beat longer than Methuselah lived on the planet. Since before time began. <laughs> so the, th- the thing that, that gets at the core of everybody. And, and you are Tom O'Neill and I'm Ray Richard. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. Um and uh, Ray is our news and features editor at Gold Derby. I'm the uh, the editor. And I think, Ray, the hardest thing about our job is, I, it is when the Oscars just go off the rails and do something incredibly stupid. Like uh, if they, like say, if on the 12th they decided Triangle of Sadness had to be the best picture. <laughs> Uh, that would be that would be shocking. Yes, yes. But it did get at least a few critical reviews. Um, I'm talking about things like. Here's a good example. The greatest movie ever made, according to every single uh, uh, survey put out by the American Film Institute and everywhere else, is Citizen Kane. It lost Best Picture that year to the movie that holds the record for having been the only best picture winner at the Oscars released on VHS tape that had the lowest sales <laughs> because nobody wanted it. How green was my Valley? Yeah. So, nobody, nobody wanted my green was, how green was my Valley. <laughs> so when those kinds of things happen, you just shake your head. What are your oh, favorite Oscar outrages? Let's, I'll let's tell you how green your Valley was. It was so green. It was Brown. It was, <laughs> it was, it was, it was, it was for, and long forgotten and Citizen Kane, you know, obviously William Randolph Hearst figured out a way to rig it so it would never win Best Picture. Right. You have to you have to believe he played a hand. But yes, there are so many outrages, Tom. How do you keep it to one, two, three, four, <laughs> even five, even ten? Uh, outrages are what are what the Oscars are all about. And in fact, let me let me just throw one out here. Yeah, go for it, baby. And This is not a typical outrage, which is why I brought it up. You know, there are some like Citizen Kane that's (laughs) that's like a, you know, a a Hall of Fame outrage. But this one, Rocky winning Best Picture in 1977. Now, some people think, you know, it was a great boxing movie. It was an underdog, just like Rocky Balboa. You know, it had Sylvester Stallone, who had, you know, held held the studio and said, you know, we're – uh, I'm. I want to make this movie. You want to make this movie, but I have to star in it, even though no one knows who I am. 
Um, but so the fact that Rocky won, people think, well, underdog, of course, it's great. But do you know what, what Rocky beat that year? He beat, it beat all the president's men. <laughs> Which was the front runner, yeah. Right. Well, probably the greatest journalism film ever made, maybe the best political drama ever made. It beat Network. Oh, which is a masterpiece. My a God. masterpiece, the best media satire ever. Absolutely. And it beat Taxi Driver, which is probably <laughs> the best character study of a ticking time bomb. It beat, it beat three classic legendary films. And today, and any one of those three would have won Best Picture in a different year, except for the year that Rocky, you know, just because people were, you know, because he beat Apollo Creed and, and, uh, well, it was also, you mentioned uh, 1977 was the year of the ceremony, but they were voting on, uh, 76 uh, movies. So they were in this patriotic fervor. This, that's uh, right. All these movies that came out in the bicentennial. And if I'm, I may be wrong on this, in which case, uh, somebody in the comment section can slap me around. But I think that when the LA film critics got stalled that year on what, what will they pick for best picture, somebody in the group shouted, you know, let's just go for Rocky, something they would never expect snobs like us to pick, you know? <laughs> and so they all kind of, you know, like sheep ran. And off. so everybody, everybody got behind that. Yeah. I believe that that's possible. But what a year to decide to do that. Oh, I mean, yeah, I know it was rah, 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 America for 76. But, you know, you watch any of those movies now and you're just entranced all over again. If yeah. you watch Network, you're just, you're just you're just bask in the brilliance. If you watch All the President's Men, I've seen it probably a dozen times being a journalist. And you're just like, wow, you're just wowed every time you see it. It's still it's still the greatest journalism film, even though Spotlight was a great film and won Best Picture. Um, uh, we had, uh, you know, even Women, uh, uh, or She Said this year was a great journalism film. You know, yeah, uh, yeah, telling the story, telling the telling the story about uh, Harvey um, Harvey mm-hmm. Weinstein. But there was never anything better than than um, than All the President's Men, and and the idea that it would lose to Rocky is just a joke. Yeah, it really is. Uh, Network is a movie I rewatch every chance I can because it's so absolute brilliant. And, 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 and it's our, it's our, it's our theme. It's our theme. <laughs> you and me. I'm mad as hell, and I'm not going to take it anymore. That's us. Um, oh, so so give me one of your outrages, Tom. Well, I, I think the whole way the Oscars are voted on is an outrage. Uh, consider this: uh, at the Emmys, they stay consistent to peer group. So if you're a cinematographer, you can only vote for other cinematographers on the first round, the nominees, and on the second round. But on the second round, you can also vote in categories like best picture, programming ones. But not you can't meander out of your little uh, lane if you, you declare what, um, uh, your ex- what, what branch of the academy you're a member of, and then you stay there. So you can only vote for cinematographers for cinematographers and then the programs. At the Oscars, they do it by peer group on round one. So cinematographers and cinema. So that means um, hair and makeup people, let's pick on them for a second, can't vote in that category. Fine, they're not qualified according to the criteria being set up by the Academy. But do you know on round two, everybody gets to vote for everybody. For anything, any cat, any race. So how is it that they're qualified 
the Haramika people to vote for the best, the, the winner, but not for the nomination. That's just, it's so illogical, it's absurd. Yeah, why, why don't they keep it consistent one way or the other? Either it's open all the time or it's never open uh, yeah. to everyone. Right. Um, so you're right. So you have some, because it's peer groups, you have really great nomina- nominees and great nominations and then ridiculous choices for winners. <laughs> They're just setting it up that way. I mean, like, like as if they did it on purpose. Um, and, and that's what, why we, we end up seeing these crazy uh, decisions like Crash winning Best Picture. <laughs> you know, uh, Brokeback Mountain that year has set a new record for having won the most Best Picture awards. Of, if you count all the critics' awards. Leading, leading up to the Oscars, right? Leading up to the Oscars. And on Oscar night, it won all those categories that you need in order to win Best Picture. It won screenplay. It won director for Ang Lee. And the winner is <laughs> when Jack Nicholson famously... Jack Nicholson was like, it was like a question. The winner is Crash. <laughs> And then people like uh, Ernest Borgnine and Tony Curtis had the stupidity to come out and say um, they just did outright gay bashing. Uh, and in, in in Ernest Borgnine's case, he said, this is hilarious. Just think about the illogic of this. It w- in an outrage over Brokeback Mountain, he said, well, if John Wayne were alive today, he'd be rolling over in his grave. <laughs> What is a living person doing in a grave, John? You know, uh... <laughs> well, you know, it sounds ridiculous that homophobia would have would have caused this loss in Hollywood, where um, two thirds of the people that work in the industry are, are probably gay. Yeah, so it, so so it's got to be self self loathing. Um, but Crash, I just I almost walked out of it when I was watching it. I was offended. Here I'm a Los Angeles guy my whole life, and basically they cast Los Angeles as this, as this, this uh, you know, boiling cesspool of racism. You know, where every time you every time you drive a block, somebody's ready to attack you because of the the color of your skin or your ethnicity. And I, I just thought it was a joke. I'm just like, are they making fun of this? It's it's it, it was just so transparently ridiculous. And. It was transparent too that it was the reason why they didn't vote for, it. and that was just really tragic. Liberal Hollywood, which is supposed to be, you know, uh, these it's bashed all the time by the conservative elite as uh, uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, and uh, it should be ashamed of itself for its lack of family values. And then they just wouldn't give it to the gay cowboy movie; they just weren't going to do it, despite every. The gay cowboy movie winning every literally everything leading up to that moment. I know. <laughs> well, you know, the, the reason we love the Oscars though is that it's well, first of all, there's the we know there's no such thing as the best of anything, right? Uh I was telling Steven Spielberg this at some uh party for the Fablemans about a month ago. Good name dropping moment. Okay, I get really, really, and I was surprised he didn't know this. And I said, uh, and I'll tell you what he said after it's, oh, you're going to laugh your ass off. He he said, I said, uh, uh, Stephen, do you know that your movie, Schindler's List, is the only film in Oscar history uh, or an awards history to win? Every single best picture at every single uh, major aw- Hollywood award 
across the board, a clean sweep. But I want you to notice that I said Hollywood Award because the one Best Picture Award you didn't win that year for Schindler's List uh, was the People's Choice Award. And you can laugh about that today because it's just done by an online poll. But in those days, it was done by the Gallup poll. So it was an accurate reflection of what America uh, really thought. And do you know what won that year, Stephen? And he looked at me and said, no. I said, you did for Jurassic Park. <laughs> and he's, what he said was so funny. At the end of it, he said, good. Now I can kick Rita Moreno's ass the next <laughs> He said, the next time she mentions that fucking EGOT thing to me. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's a great story. You know, the People's Choice, didn't that used to, wasn't that Army Archer show? I thought that he uh, that he he had started it. He maybe he did. I don't, I don't know. That's yeah. a good question. But uh, it's of course it's a joke now. I don't think is it even still on. I don't. I know. don't think so. I, well, I if Gold Derby doesn't cover it, it clearly doesn't <laughs> exist anymore. Um, so give me another out. Give me another outrage. Well, I'll give you the the the, the great. I'm, I'm in an outrageous mood. Good. Well, let's get mad about this. Um, but because and. The reason for what I'm about to to cite as an example is the same thing, um, uh, the theme that I just set up a moment ago, which is with, they're not voting on the best of anything at the Oscars. Uh, no movie has, has swept the board completely, right? So we know uh, that Hollywood is insane, number one, because it spends $300 million a year to win a fake gold statuette that costs only $500 to manufacture <laughs> and for something that doesn't even exist, meaning a best picture or a best of something. So um, that's how crazy they are. But what they are great about is giving us on the outside out here in Fanland a window into the uh, inner family of Hollywood. The best example of that would have been the year of uh, James Cameron up against his his ex-wife, Catherine Bigelow, right? And it, Hollywood was picking uh, sides in a broken marriage. And the Oscars had never picked a woman for best director before. You could either make history as a voter and go for the Hurt Locker. And, you know, and also a real classy woman beloved in this town. Or you could go for the arrogant, I'm the king of the world guy <laughs> over here. And uh, of course she won, but it was, they're voting on other things. Uh, my favorite example, and then I'll get into the outrage in a moment because it kind of feeds into the same thing. Do you know, Master and Commander was nominated for 10 Academy Awards. I think everybody associated with that movie got a nomination except the night cleaning crew. <laughs> <laughs> but but the one person who did not get nominated was the master and commander himself, Russell Crowe, because he had just thrown that phone at that hotel clerk in Soho. And phone throwers do not get nominations. <laughs> you, and he was accused of, of having that fight with the BAFTA producer, cutting off his poem in uh, his rambling poem of an acceptance speech and cutting to a commercial break. Um, so isn't that amazing? You're... You play the star role in that, so and you're not even nominated. What this is, this award, is what Hollywood thinks 
of itself. So take two, the two biggest losers in Oscar history who've never won at all among actors are Richard Burton, if you could believe it, never having won an Oscar, and Peter O'Toole, never having won an Oscar. They both went to their grave as uh, tied as Oscar's biggest losers. Or no, uh, by that point, Peter, I think, had pulled ahead by one. But when Burton died, he was tied with O'Toole. And, as, and they gave Peter O'Toole a, 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 an honorary one. Right, 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 right. They always do that. Which he hated. He was like, I, I don't want to be put out to pasture. I want, <laughs> I I want another chance. I know, I know. But people like Goldie Hawn and Red Buttons have Oscars. I mean, come on. Red Buttons. <laughs> here's, here's what you have to think about. Why would they pick on Richard Burton and Peter O'Toole? Well, it's the Russell Crowe thing all over again. It's, it's, it, they were the, the biggest hooligans in town. They showed up late on every set. They, they were constantly... Uh, condescending and condescending and probably alcoholic. Well, certainly Burton oh, was alcoholic. certainly alcoholic. And some of Catherine Hepburn's stories <laughs> of waiting for Peter O'Toole during the shoot of Lion in the Lion in Winter were hilarious in the way she smacked him down and made sure he got to the set early the next day because nobody messed with her. Right? You will behave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But the, so those guys win and red butt or those guys lose, excuse me, and red buttons and, and gold. You could, you could ask, where is Brenda Fricker today? You know, <laughs> there are a lot of, um, of actors that they deliberately don't vote for because of, of their behavior. You know, they, they act like it's always quality based, but so much of it is personality content. It's all personality. Yeah. Every, it's, it's, it's who you like and who you don't like, and you're never going to vote for the one you don't like. If you, if you have any kind of personal animosity toward them due to a story, due to some kind of perceived slight on the set, it's never, it's, it's always going to, to manifest itself in in taking it out on them at the Oscars, you yeah. know, in the the biggest hurt you can. So you wonder, you wonder what Alfred Hitchcock and Stanley Kubrick did to piss people off. <laughs> he yeah. um, he was nominated for Rebecca in 1941, Lifeboat 1945, Spellbound in 1946, Rear Window in 55, and Psycho in 61. Loss, 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 loss. Yeah, yeah. Lost all of them. And he they gave him the Thalberg Award in 68. I'm going to also go through the fact that Stanley Kubrick won one Oscar. Can you, did you know what, what category it was for? No. Uh... Visual effects. <laughs> he was part of the visual effects team on 2001. Wow. But he lost. He lost for writing and directing and picture for Dr. Strangelove. He lost for writing and directing for, for 2001. He lost for writing and directing and picture for A Clockwork Orange. He lost for writing and directing and picture for Barry Lyndon. And lost for writing for Full Metal Jacket. Never got he only Well, he only got that one for 2001. Never wow. for directing. If they had given, if they gave out Oscars for, num, for largest number of takes, Per, per film, I think he would have won. Wasn't he notorious for taking like 10 months, a year yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. on the set? Yeah, and then compare him to someone like Clint Eastwood, one take, next, shoot. Yeah. Like, oh no! You know, uh, the actors freak out. 
Yeah. But Hitchcock, Hitchcock and, and Kubrick never won. So if you didn't win at the Oscars, you're in very good company. But that's outrageous. How could, how is it possible that two of the maybe top five greatest directors in in Hollywood history never won an Oscar? Well, speaking of Hitchcock and that year you mentioned uh, Rear Window, um, that was the famous year of one of the greatest outrages ever in Hollywood history, which was Judy Garland losing for A Star is Born uh, to Grace Kelly in The Country Girl. And that... Um, and no one could figure out how and why to this well, day. Well, they... They did at the time. It's hard for us to remember now. That was Grace Kelly's super year as a superstar. She was in two Hitchcock movies, Rear Window and Dial M for Murder. Plus, she was in this country girl where she's the long-suffering wife of alcoholic Bing Crosby. And the long-suffering wife always wins, you know, whether it's Jennifer Connelly in The Beautiful Mind or Shirley Booth in Come Back to Shiva. <laughs> it's one of those classic roles they love to give. Because all the all the people in the uh, in the film academy are long-suffering themselves. So they relate. <laughs> so, um, but the reason, I mean, there were so there were two reasons. It, it was such a an outrageous loss. Her Garland had never won an Oscar. They'd given her a tiny little uh, juvenile honorary Oscar of the year of Wizard of Oz. And then she she and her husband, Sid Luff, got the whole, commissioned the whole thing from scratch. They got uh, Moss Hart and everybody together. They they got uh, the whole production put together. And uh, so it, it was her come back in every way and it was such a i mean it's one of the greatest movies to this day it's ever made groucho mark said upon her loss it's the worst robbery since brinks <laughs> but ray think about this judy garland never showed up on a set on time she was wobbling around with drinks and you know the latter part of her life she used to introduce herself as hello I'm what's left of Judy Garland. <laughs> is that real- true? Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Wow. Well, so that's the thing is that's what everyone always has to remember is if there's some, if there's uh, sometimes the outrages are incredible, entirely predictable in advance because wow. people, you know, people, you're always being judged. If you're a great person, you may not even have the talent, but you're a- often going to win because people like you. Right. It's, it's that simple. Mm-hmm. Just like, you know, you got to believe Marissa Tomei, probably you know, did uh, made a lot of friends on the set of My Cousin Vinny, uh, and had a great reputation, and ended up winning. And for a comedy, uh, which is really rare, exactly. And you know what? I am. This is the 30th anniversary of her win this year. Uh, oh. She won in '93, and um, I am outraged on her behalf that there has been outrage over her win for all of these years. It it was she was pretty good in it. And it was also was. it was also a lead role parading and supporting. So um uh and that and that happens too, exactly, where you where you have a really substantial role and often against people that don't have nearly the same kind of substance. Oh, um right. but um everyone acted like, oh my god, this is the worst decision in the history of the academy. Um it became you know, Snopes actually addresses it on their website oh, really? be, be, because the the presumption was Jack Palance 
got it wrong and that they did it made a cover up to make to save pallets <laughs> that 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 it was such a horrible decision it had to be Jack Palance fucking it up somehow. <laughs> but um so the the academy ended up, you know, saying no no that's simply not true. They they scotched that and uh Snopes had to address it. But when you look at she was up against some great nominees, Judy Davis for Husbands and Wives, Joan Plowright for Enchanted April, Vanessa Redgrave for Howard's End, Miranda Richardson for Damage. I mean it's a great collection of actresses yeah. and great performances. But she deserved it. Yeah. And I think it's time to rescue Marissa Tomei's win from the scrap heap <laughs> of Oscar. Well, also, she plays kind of a bimboish character. So that uh, the Oscars tend to be very snobbish, especially in recent years, especially. And um, it's all traceable to the Oscars used to back in the 60s and 70s always have i mean they nominated the exorcist and airplane for best picture towering inferno those poseidon adventure they all got nominated at least yeah, the poseidon adventure i just looked this up did you know it got like nine nominations <laughs> I, know, I know i think i think red buttons got not got nominated for it. <laughs> shelly winters was nominated for it <laughs> That's I was embarrassed on her. She almost she could have won. I know, I know. And she was so obnoxious in the movie. But it, it actually did win. You know what it won for? It went for the song the morning after. The morning oh, that's after. Right, that's right. Right. <laughs> well, there, it's just it used to be that blockbusters had a chance, and then they stopped having a chance around the mid nineteen uh, nineties when VHS tapes were sent to voters. That started around Braveheart and then really caught on. Harvey Weinstein made it an industry. And that's how uh, he got nominations for movies like My Left Foot and the others was he put all his marketing money into sending uh, VH tapes in those days to Academy members. So they had no excuse but to watch it. And of course, I'm sure you remember as a journalist, when we started getting these uh, uh, DVDs or VHS tapes early, it was so precious. You oh, know, my God. Friends had it. Look oh at me, God. man. <laughs> I know. What I've got. Now it's like, if you get a DVD, you're like, you're, you're dusting off your DVD player in your garage, <laughs> seeing if it still works. <laughs> I know. I know. But, but, um, but um, you know... Uh, Yes, and then Art House stuff ended up taking over everything. And then Art House stuff. Every, every, now, there are rare years where Titanic wins or the uh, Lord of the Rings. And those are always the biggest ratings, of course. I mean, the yeah. Titanic year still holds the record for by far the largest ratings uh, for a telecast in Oscar history. Yeah. But I, I, I really believe that was a great movie in every way. I know, you know that people, people like to disparage it because they like to disparage Cameron. Right. But, but uh, I, I agree it was a great film. And boy, ask my daughter, who was, you know, who was eight years old at the time and, and saw it 16 times. That, my uh, little niece was about eight years old when I took her and her little twin brother to Titanic. And I had one of them uh, by each hand as, I, as we were, the, the theater was packed. I didn't dare lose either, either one of them. But little Judy stops me right there. And, you know, there's this herd of people about to knock us down. And she just looked up at me and she said, Uncle Tom, that was the greatest movie I've ever seen. An eight-year-old. You know? And I'll bet it was. What, what and, have you and, seen? Four movies, kid? <laughs> it, was, it was all the same movie, The Wizard of Oz. Was, but no, she, um, um, it, it was a great movie. It was fashionable. Kenny Turan, when he was 
uh, full time at the LA Times, just was writing an article per day, just beating up on the script, you know, and, and stuff like that. Um, no, I, I I can understand Cameron being pissed off about that and feeling ganged up on because he got a lot of crap for what he said at the Oscars on the stage. You know, people people have they have short memories on everything else, but long memories for some reason on what you say when you're accepted. They right. never forget a goddamn word of your mm-hmm. acceptance speech. Poor Sally Field, you know. <laughs> That, that that acceptance speech has been bastardized like crazy. Oh, right, you love me. You really, you really like No, what she said is now I can't deny that you like me. I mean, and, and it was very heartfelt and very sweet. And somehow she's been savaged for, you, you can never give a heartfelt utterance in an Oscar show or people, or people attack you. That says everything about Hollywood. It's from your heart. They make fun of you. I think the single greatest acceptance speech ever was... Uh, when Shirley MacLaine did the opposite of humility and just held up her Oscar and said, I deserve this. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, right on, Shirley, baby. Go right yeah, on. You know, one of my favorite moments from an award show is last week, last week at the SAGs where Michelle Yeoh, you know, she was just, you could just see, I mean, boy, that's the most popular win I've ever seen in an award show. Everyone was always just, you know, re- reaching out to her from the stage even before she won. Then when she finally won, there she is. And you could just see the excitement bubbling through her and it just bursts out of her and she went, fuck. <laughs> and it was just so intense and so, well, so sure. I mean, and so perfect. From her point of view, Kate Blanchett was winning everything, uh, even though everything everywhere was sweeping all the other categories. Why wasn't the lead star carried with it? But now she's caught up and she's the likely winner on Oscar night. Uh, well, but... because because they had they hadn't voted yet when they saw the, the SAGs, right? So that's right. going to that's going to everything everywhere all at once is in the catbird seat for sure for for almost everything, yeah. except um, except lead actor and you know I mean there there's still a few races as we sit here today that uh, that are still up for grabs like best like like best actor. But, yeah, that's a, that's a um, tough. Speaking of best actor, can I give you one more outrage? Yeah. My outrage is Al Pacino winning best actor for Scent of a Woman. Oh, that's a disgrace for the book. Oh, my friggin' God. The guy (laughs) chewed more scenery than a locust swarm. (laughs) I I have never... Even he probably isn't... I mean... Well, I think he he was. Do you know who he beat? Who? Robert Downey Jr. in Chaplin, <laughs> Clint Eastwood in Unforgiven, okay, Stephen Ray in The Crying Game, and Denzel Washington in Malcolm X. They give this to Al Pacino for Set of a Woman? <laughs> well, that's because, wasn't that his seventh nomination or loss or something? Yeah. Yes. And that's the thing. You know, you talk about a streak. Nominated in 73 um, for, uh, for Godfather, 74 for Serpico, 75 for Godfather 2. 76 for Dog Day Afternoon. He lost to Joel Gray for Godfather, Jack <laughs> Lemon for Serpico for Save the Tiger, Art Carney for oh, and Harry and Tonto for Godfather 2. Art Carney? <laughs> and and Nicholson for uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest in his Dog Day Afternoon. Wow. But, but yes, that was makeup time. That's another thing that Oscars do, right, Tom? Is they, they make up for the past. They give you... If oh, you've wow. lost enough and you're a big enough performer, they give you a they they give you an unofficial career achievement. 
Yeah, they do it all the time. You can't, what is, when you look back at the career of Paul Newman, you don't say, gee, the color of money was his greatest performance. It's a shame. You know, uh, I'm sure that even Sandra Bullock's mother must be embarrassed over her daughter winning for the blind side. (laughs) Yeah, how did that happen? (laughs) Art Carney. Harry and Tanya, he was, what, talking to a bird the whole time, right? <laughs> Let me tell you um, an Arcarni story about awards, though, because really? this, is, this is hilarious, but right on target. Jackie Gleason, remember, who gave himself... Never won an Emmy. Never won an Emmy, and he gave himself the title, TV's Great Great One. The Great One. Uh, so I talked to his widow after when I was writing my book on the Emmys, and... Um, asked her you know what was his feeling about it you know she said oh my god you could never mention it she said and you know he was fond of get just getting in his car and riding over to art carney's house just to hang out and the rest of it she said the minute that i she said i saw um uh, gleason going for the door i'd say uh, uh where where are you going she goes oh i'm just going over uh to art's house to say hi she said Okay, and then she had to pick up the phone, call Art Carney, and say, "Hi, those." Aunt-. He'd won five <laughs> for playing Gleason sidekick. Gleason, so she, he was running and putting these Oscars up in a closet, throwing a blanket over it, just as the doorbell's ringing and clo- <laughs> closing the closet so that Gleason wouldn't see all his Emmys. Oh my God! Wow, but <laughs> you know. The sidekick always wins. Didn't Don Knotts win four or five of them too? Yeah, he won five and he was unbeaten. Yeah. Yeah, but that's the thing. The sidekick always wins. But Art Carney, you know who he beat the year of Harry and Tonto? He beat not just Pacino um, in Godfather 2, but Dustin Hoffman in Lenny and Jack Nicholson in Chinatown. It's like, (laughs) wow. You know, sometimes these things, at the time it was like, oh, okay. Hindsight, boy, hindsight, you can just see that that sometimes these things are criminal. Well, you know, that's a good example. Like um, when Glenda Jackson won for Women in Love, she was in the movie, what, five minutes? Um, But she was real super cool because uh, that Elizabeth miniseries was on PBS at the time. So everyone was talking about it. It was uh, the era of miniseries like Roots and others that were America would just. That's right. Make the water well, it, was a, it was a national. It was like a national, uh, mm-hmm. a, a national thing where everyone was watching together. Right. So, so Glenda Jackson didn't really win for Women in Love. It was just she was just so cool and just they loved defiance, and she was just had such a defiant nature. She did not attend the Oscars. She called. She told the press, "Why would she ever attend?" She said, "The Oscars are a public hanging." <laughs> And what did they do? They turned around and gave her another one for a movie she didn't deserve called A Touch of Class. <laughs> I remember. Oh, yeah, that's right. A Touch. I remember that one. Yeah, yeah. Jordan. Yeah, how did she win for A Touch of Class? <laughs> she gave no performance in that movie. It's just. You know, uh, Ray, that I am a great actual collector of, of uh, awards memorabilia. I own, for example, the Tony Award for Best Play, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, the uh, the producer's version, not um, the writer, uh, not all these. 
and I own the Ben-Hur's Golden Globe for Best Picture and all these kinds of things. But here's, this is what you get when you get nominated for an Oscar. And this is um, one of the rare Oscar nominations that Charlie Chaplin ever had. So um, when the Oscars were invented, remember they were created, the Academy was by the five studios as a, uh, a con job telling the, the five unions of um, uh, or all, all the unions really of Hollywood. Oh, let's not have separate negotiations or constantly having strikes and fights over salary. We're going to create one idealistic place where we can all get together and resolve all our differences at one at once. Right guys. So it was the five studio chiefs who ran it. So no, I mean, they're not going to stand up. That's why Walter Brennan kept winning. Remember in the supporting category three. Oh, times, that's right. It was all the extras, his people were voting, right? So um, Chaplin at the very first Oscars, he got like seven or eight, maybe 10 nominations or something. He was dis- disqualified from every single one of them. They were issued and then we, and they were revolt because they were so angry at him for going out and creating his own studio with Mary Pickford and Doug Doug Fairbanks, but they punish him, but they didn't punish Mary Pickford. She won the Oscar for best actress in her sec, the second year of the Oscars. And they didn't punish her husband, Doug Fairbanks, who was president of the motion picture Academy, but he was there with, with Charlie Chaplin, with, United Artists creating their own studio to get out of this monopolistic lock that uh, uh, those moguls had over uh, all the talent. But um, so Chaplin then got in all kinds of trouble with young ladies and all, lots of other uh, issues. And of course, uh, his his liberal views um, and uh, flirtation with communism or Marxism, uh, he had he just had to f- flee abroad and he lived his last days out in in uh, Switzerland. Except for that one last Oscar appearance in what, 70, 75, 76, something like that. Yeah. Uh, 72, yes. 72. Yes. Was, uh, good year, good memory. And he came back to, uh, and gave a beautiful, beautiful speech for um, uh, that honorary Oscar and then went back to Switzerland and he won the next year for a movie he had made 20 years earlier called Limelight. And he and it was never released in Los Angeles. So the studio said, you know what? We've got this Chaplin movie that's technically eligible. I'm still sure he was probably gone by then. <clears throat> but but um, we need to release it in Los Angeles. It'll be Oscar eligible. Why not? So the year after they gave him that, uh, honorary. He was nominated for Limelight. This is his nomination, and he won. The wow. Only, and he How wasn't cool there. that you have it. <laughs> <I know. laughs> That's great. He wow. probably never even saw this. They probably never even sent it to him. You know? He was, boy, he was sure was not treated right. No, he wasn't, but he, he was def- defiant, uh, properly defiant in, in um, uh, in response, because he was such a genius, the whole, the whole point of the Oscars is to celebrate celebrate cr- people who take creative chances and all of that. Should be, yeah. Any other outrages? 
Uh, I might have one more. All right, good. All right, here we go. This one really fries my beans, baby. <clears throat> um, the showdown, was it 1950 that All About Eve was up for Best Picture and won? Betty Davis in one of her greatest roles ever. Um, up against Gloria Swanson in Sunset Boulevard. I mean, just uh, a masterclass of, of brilliant acting. And so the Oscars in those days were on the radio. And Gl- Gloria Swanson was sitting next to Judy Holliday, who was also nominated for a Broadway, uh, Broadway comedy called um, uh, Born Yesterday. And so there's a famous picture of Gloria Swanson sitting there next to, and it's in my book even, I should pull it up, and sitting next to Judy Holliday in New York at some nightclub. Betty Davis uh, is back in, in L.A. They're just, those two divas are just waiting, you know, to see who could take down the other one. And they said, and the winner is Judy Holiday. Now, there is no way that that is a, an Oscar winning performance. She plays a, a kind of bimbo of a, of a gangster. And it's very funny. It's a classic comedy. But at this moment, when a photographer caught uh, Gloria Swanson sitting next to Judy Holliday, uh, a reporter overheard Gloria Swanson leaning over to Judy Holliday going, congratulations, my dear, but couldn't you have waited till next year? <laughs> That's fantastic. Wow. It, it's crazy that those two were, were up the same year. Oh, my God. Yeah. Betty Davis. And Betty Davis. I would was, imagine she 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 did not suffer loss as well. No, she didn't. And she had been president of the academy at one point. Of course, she was a gross alcoholic and, a, and very mean to people. But uh, she was al- also kind of celebrated for that defiance and for that uh, independence. But she uh, there, there weren't a lot of there weren't a lot of women like that back then. I mean, that no. that, that took those chances and that that were kind of in your face to the powers that be. And got away with it, yeah. And so she, and that's why uh, we can thank that part of her nature uh, for the fact that I mean, she never would have done what her what is probably her greatest movie, whatever happened to Baby Jane. Uh, she never would have made that movie if she had remained this great iconic star. She did it for you know, um, she did it for the money. Uh, she couldn't stand Joan Crawford. They hated each other. <laughs> yeah, well, without. That 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 became a TV series. They hated them, hated each other. So. I know it was a good one too. Ryan yeah. Murphy produced it, but um, that's why you know they're just not voting on the best of anything. It, they're giving us little windows into who we like and who we don't, and that's fascinating. Uh, you know, the year that Jennifer Lawrence won for Silver Linings Playbook, I think is when the Oscars are at their best. Let's let's give them some credit now. <clears throat> that was also the year of the Hunger Games. Jennifer right. Lawrence was now officially the queen of Hollywood and America's princess. And remember, she tripped a little going up the stage. She was so excited. And um, it was just it was the, the combination of that moment in her career, those movies, just what, what a delightful person she seemed to be 
uh, during interviews and all of that, it was a crowning moment that the Oscars could be proud of. And there were many others that they can be proud of. Absolutely. But I I love it when that happens. Yeah, me too. Um, You know, uh, I thought, even though a lot of people gave, thought it was a little bit of a lightweight film, I thought it was great that Coda won last year. Yeah, give me your pro-Coda argument. It just, you know, I, I loved, I loved the fact that uh, that a movie that really centered on on people with a disability, um, and and were so comfortable with it, and had such a, you know, um, such a such a wonderful ease with each other, and and it was so pro family and and you know pro disability community, um, because as we know, Hollywood discriminates against against minorities against people with disabilities against everyone until it until it becomes fashionable not to right, right, right. <laughs> and and so for one shining moment i think it became fashionable to embrace people um with disabilities and uh i wish it wasn't just a trend i wish it was actually part of part of the nature of the beast uh and we could see it repeatedly but i just i love the fact that a film like that could kind of come out of nowhere the last and that's what made it really dramatic was it 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 really Apple uh put, pushed its campaign late, and so it just started cresting slowly, 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 and then broke through. It was a great. We had Gold Derby see this as a race, and Coda's triumph was really a great, uh, uh, dramatic win to see. Absolutely. But we love the Oscars anyway, just because they're so absurd. It's off after all. It's just gold plated. <laughs> Exactly. That, that which says it all. Just uh, remember that uh, uh, all you viewers out there, we have this exaggerated reverence for film. We call it the silver screen, but TV is the boob tube and we just deride it. And now it's television that's putting out the best. It's program. all it's all it's all reversed. I know. Exactly. And there almost isn't any traditional film industry to speak of anymore it's all streaming and tv so tv is getting the last laugh as are we as are we so all right so let's uh uh, we'll have a lot to be outraged about next time but uh thanks ray this has been fun absolutely thanks tom this has been great 